0: you do go up they're just going to look at you like you're a bit weird and they'll just be a bit awkward until your drinks are ready and they'll still carry your drinks to the table while you walk behind them (laughs) hello and welcome to episode 80 of a sideways life podcast the honest guide to living and working abroad i'm leanne
1: and i'm al welcome back hello hi, hi, hi so this is a bit of a strange episode well not a strange episode but it's this is the first this is the first time i think we've had a, re, a listener request for an episode is that right we
0: have yeah, yeah.
1: so we've got my and tom yes um and they uh they're kind of relatively new listeners and they've asked us they're off to spain where we are currently and they've asked us um about what are the cultural norms of living in spain and Well, I'm guessing they're going to be working a little bit, but they're mainly like working freelancing, aren't they, or with their own business? I think so. Um, So, we thought, what an interesting episode we're going to do. So, we spent a few hours the other night when we were uh, sitting in Spain. In fact, it was the hottest night, I think, of the last 20 days, wasn't it? Yeah,
0: it was warm. It was, what, nine o'clock and still about
1: 38? Yeah, it was
0: it was a lot, but we spent some time, we made some notes, and actually we had so many different things um, to share about our experience of living in Spain that we're actually splitting this into two episodes. Yep. So Tom and I, you asked for one episode, we're giving you two lucky devils.
1: Two for the price of one, that'll be in episode 81, which will be released next week. So, we've got a lot to get through, so should we just crack on?
0: I think we should, and I think before we start, we should... We should preface this by saying this is our experience as brits being in spain we have lived here for four and a half years spent about six ish months in spain after we we stopped living here um we've mainly been based in andalusia so that might skew some of the the things we chat about um so if you are spanish and listening (laughs) One, this is just our perspective, just our opinion, just what we think. This isn't to say it's right or wrong. It's just our experience of it. Please correct us if you think we've misinterpreted anything. Um, And educate us further. What have we missed out that you think is a particular quirk of life in Spain?
1: Yep, you can email us at SidewaysLife at gmail.com or you can just search for us at SidewaysLife on Instagram on your message and Leanne will be taking care of those DMs. Um, so just to give you a bit of context, there's kind of eight categories that we've, we've split this up into. I'll give you the categories so you know what's coming up. So the first we're going to talk about is basically culture of Spain. Then we're going to talk about eating and drinking in Spain. Of course we are, because that's mainly about 80% of what we do is eating and drinking in Spain. <laughs> then we're going to talk about the language. Then we're going to talk about transport. Finally, weather and living. And Oh, no, sorry. Weather and living, then shopping. And then there's two sort of bonus rounds here, which is things we can't get a head around as British people coming to Spain. Um, Again, no criticism, just stuff that just was very foreign, literally and figuratively to us. And then things to avoid as a, specifically as a Brit, but probably as any kind of tourist or or guest of the country. I think
0: that's exactly it, isn't it? Regardless of of what we share today we are very aware that we are guests in any country that we visit that isn't our native home um and therefore we try to exercise the right amount of of respect for that um so yeah remember that if you are going to a new country either on holiday or to live and work abroad you are a guest so be respectful be open to learning and just don't be a dick
1: don't be a dick is great advice first
0: rule don't be a dick (laughs) of life actually let alone traveling
1: so should we go through quickly these these things that we've thought about in terms of culture?
0: Yeah. So the first one, and again, I mean, no disrespect to the to the men of Spain. This might just be my experience, maybe particularly in the country. Um, and it's certainly not a unique thing to Spain. There are many no. other countries been to where we've experienced this as well. I've experienced this. It can be fairly traditional in the views, I guess, of kind of roles or status of men and women. And we have experienced in Spain Uh, me asking a question and then the answer being directed to Al Mm -hmm. um, which is a little bit odd Um, I know we have other other expat friends that experience this in other places as well and you do have to kind of you know do what you can respectfully to to challenge that type of behavior but it can be a bit weird initially
1: yeah and you often find that um, that if Leanne's asking a question then you might find that someone's going to talk over her um directly at me i mean the other thing which which confuses the hell out of people is um is that i drink tend to drink sort of medium white wine leanne drinks a really heavy rioca they bring it over to the table they put the rioca next to me and the the sweet white wine for the lady and obviously we just swap it around that blows their minds and also when we come to pay often leanne uses our joint card but she has the card with her so they give the bill to me and leanne pays they
0: do tend to give the bill to the man which i'm not (laughs) I'm not complaining about, but it's on the joint card, so you know.
1: <laughs> exactly. So the second thing is that fans, as in like those Andalusian um, dotted fans you see, they're real thing. Like, like the hand fans. That's it. The hand fans, the ones that you know, you you. I don't know how to describe it. You flick it out. Leanne's really good at doing it. She can do it with one hand <laughs> and flick it out and go. Um. So those are definitely a real thing, which um it kind of was a bit strange but then we realized of course it is because people are hot and the older ladies need to cool down
0: i think that's it you imagine it to be this thing you just see on movies or it's Mm. just for flamenco dancers or but no it is a genuine way of life every every woman has a fan of handbag
1: and quite often, uh, some of the older ladies, I think I'm right in thinking that traditionally the older ladies dress in black for mourning for a few years after their husband's die. So you can imagine being in black, a full long black length dress when it's 38 degrees outside. You definitely need a fan. Yes. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think the next one is, is religion is big in Spain. And that might not be too much of a surprise. It is dominantly a catholic country and has lots of history with the catholic church but it is still a big thing and not even necessarily in terms of everyone you see will go to church on a sunday but religion plays a big role in the way of life in the festivals that happen in everything but it just it is a it is a big part of life and with that as well comes a level of respect that you have to show if you're going to a church or a cathedral. And there are lots of church and cathedrals that are open to tourists just to have a look around. Our advice would be be respectful. There will be people in there worshipping. Bear that in mind. Stay quiet. Don't take photographs. If you absolutely have to, certainly don't do it with a flash. And if you are dressed for summer, bear in mind that it is respectful to cover up. Um, so being covered, um, your knees and shoulders as well, particularly for women.
1: Definitely. Um, this next one is beautifully, wonderfully, lovely, and that is that. But um, people still say hello to you, um, so they'll often you'll go into a lift and someone will say, will say, you know, sort of hola or Buenos días Buenos tardes. Um, by the way, in terms of language, and we will come into language properly, but uh, generally Buenos días is um, anything up to about sort of one o'clock in the morning, in the afternoon. Then Buenos tardes is kind of up to about eight o'clock in the evening. And that's good afternoon, up to eight o'clock in the evening. And Buenas noches is usually from eight, nine onwards, isn't it?
0: Yeah. And even then, Buenas noches is really more to say good night. Mm. Like there isn't really an equivalent of, of good evening, I don't think. I think I heard people say even Buenas tardes even later into the thing. But yeah, Buenas noches is more late evening or if you are saying goodbye.
1: And you'll find that if you like we have a dog, as as, as you probably know by now, you walk along with the dog and, and a fellow dog walk will just say hello to you. And it's it's lovely. It just feels very traditional and very yeah. cool.
0: Absolutely. And then the the opposite of tradition from a Brit's perspective. Did you know, listeners, that if you're invited to somebody's birthday in Spain, they pay
1: the person whose birthday the
0: is. person whose birthday it is. Blew our mind. We got invited probably when we were in Granada. so we're talking what 2016 ish, mm-hmm. 15 even maybe. Um, got invited by by somebody we'd met to their birthday. We offered to buy them a drink. And he honestly looked at us as if we had two heads. Mm-hmm. I was like, what are you talking about? The drinks from me, it's my birthday. And we were like, no, 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 friend. That's not how it works in the UK. And he was like, well, that's a much better way of doing it. Why am I buying all the drinks? <laughs> like, I know.
1: And I think the, uh, the, one, of the, one of the last things we want to talk about in the culture is that um, people are late- and it's not a rudeness thing. It's just that there was the, when we pointed our Spanish lessons, someone said, look, what you need to understand is someone says they'll meet you at one o'clock in the afternoon. They probably mean half past one to two if they turn up at all. And it's not a rudeness thing. It's just it's the culture that, you know, yes, you'll make plans, but they're, they're very flexible because things come up.
0: They do. And that might be a bit more of a country thing, to mm. be fair. Um, but yes, if you are in, in the country and expect to meet somebody at a particular time, give them half an hour before you leave they're they're probably still on their way definitely (laughs) oh and again yeah one of the last things in culture and i guess is kind of ties in with the birthday thing when it comes to stag do's and hen do's you do see them and it looks very much like they do in the uk everyone's dressed up matching t-shirts speaker phones very energetic and lively um but it isn't really about drinking it's more about eating and and playing games or doing sports or and you'll see a big group of lads there that will nurse a glass of water and a small beer for an hour um so yeah culturally it's very very different the old stag do
1: it is we were in um, malaga about two weeks ago saw a stag do the stag was dressed up in as a unicorn which seems to be a thing um, and also it's quite funny when you see it when a stag do meets up with a hen do that's quite that's quite fun when you see that happen but i went in and i and i want i took a, i had a photograph taken with them i looked like their dad as well which is very <laughs> embarrassing um and i said um i said look i said to the waiter you know can i buy a round for them and he said yeah yeah he's and he it's like un, uh, was it una ronda i think was what mm-hmm. it was its cluster what it what, what the actual term was and he said yeah no problem went round got everyone a drink and it came to about 9 euros and it's like well yeah they've only had half you know a third of a lager is a euro each so <laughs> um so it's very very different um the, the other thing is that this is going to come 9 to 12 months after the stag do is that it's all about kids um very very big family the uh, family orientated um a lot of people younger people have kids quite early on um and it's very very normal and so therefore most of the day, everything's set up so set up around kids. So you'll be sitting having dinner at 11 o'clock at night. Don't be surprised to see hundreds of kids running around, playing, shouting, screaming, um, which we'll come on to in a minute um, because uh, because of the weather. Um, So don't be too surprised if you see that. It's not bad parenting. It's just the fact that the kids have probably slept during the day.
0: And that indeed is our last point under culture. And again, this may be more of a southern thing, more of a country thing, but siestas really are a real thing. And it's taken seriously. Shops close, people are quiet. The shops that do remain open, the bigger supermarkets do enforce what they call a quiet hour, uh, which is usually without kids and quiet shopping no noisy groups um but that is the point things will close usually between two and five or 2 30 and 5 30. rest will be had it's not even necessarily about sleep it might be about like going paddle boarding or going to the beach for a few hours, but it is rest time. Um, and that is because then once half five hits, they're back out, they're doing activities, they're having a late dinner. They're going to be noisy until midnight. It is not unusual to be sat in your house, particularly if you're in a built up area, and hear lots of, of hustle and bustle until midnight on a Tuesday.
1: And also bear in mind, they do go back, back to work. A lot of people will go back to work at 5.30 till okay. 8.00. Um, so uh, so it's not necessarily about, um, like you say, it's it's just it's a different way of doing things. That's to avoid the, the heat. So on to category number two, which is eating and drinking, our favorite thing. And um, the one thing I'm going to kick off with here is that you'll find that in cafes and bars, you'll see lots of napkins on the floor. Um, it's not because they can't be bothered to, to sweep up. It's because that, that is apparently a sign that you. it's a good meal. Is you finish it, you wipe your face and then you throw the napkin on the floor. So the more napkins on the floor, the better the cafe or the bar is or the better the food is.
0: Yeah, which seems strange to us. But it's, yeah, what a great sign of respect. Be. That was so good. I throw my napkin down to you um yeah the next thing i guess sticking with um kind of restaurant etiquette um the table service is excellent and the vast majority of places you go into whether it will be a bar or a restaurant or a cafe will be table service you don't need to go to the counter the bar to order your drinks you certainly don't go up to pay um and if you do go up they're just going to look at you like you're a bit weird and they'll just be a bit awkward until your drinks are ready and they'll still carry your drinks to the table while you (laughs) walk behind them um so yeah table service is a thing you don't really go to the counter or the bar
1: exactly and you and i know you know this but don't be clicking your fingers don't be that person they are the they, they are professional waiters and waitresses over here they are fantastic at at their job and when it comes down to it then uh, so you come to pay your bill excuse me you come to pay your bill and you leave a tip well the customary tip is if it's just a coffee or a drink then you can just round up by a few pennies maybe 50 cents uh, a euro something like that if it's a food then 10 percent is generally acceptable if you chop tip 15 you'll get um you know you'll get a hug um but um but 10 is, is is acceptable if you've had a great meal then you know feel free to tip more um but i uh, don't feel like you have to tip 15 percent, 20 percent if you're from america and canada um because that's not necessarily a thing over here
0: yes and going back to what you were saying earlier about good cafes and restaurants will often have napkins on the floor. Well, a great restaurant won't always look the part from the outside either. Some of the best restaurants we've been to look just quite average and a little bit, dare I say, run down from mm-hmm. the outside. Um, but we'll serve some of the best food and drinks that, that you will ever experience in Spain. So don't judge a book by its cover. Go in, have a drink, have a tapas and then
1: make up your mind. Talking of having a drink, then um, in the UK, they, it's very, very, I don't know if it's the same in America and Australia, but if you order a glass of wine, then it might be three euros for a glass of wine or seven euros for the bottle. And they're obviously trying to get you to buy the bottle. Over here, there is a much more relaxed outlook towards drinking. So a glass of wine will be exactly what the cu- bottle costs divided by whatever 175 over 750 is. Um, so don't feel like you ha- it's cheaper to buy the bottle. And in fact, people you know you, you'll you see men just go in women will go in and have a glass of wine that'll be it or maybe have three or four glasses of wine but they won't bother necessarily buying the bottle because it's not always cheaper
0: yes and i think my only add-on to that would, would be that typically that there's usually a really great wine selection by the glass um, but the more expensive the bottles get then that is when, you, when you're going to pay for a bottle not by the glass but honestly there are very few restaurants where that is even necessary the quality of wine by the glass is great continuing on the uh, theme of, of having lunch or dinner food is for sharing and we learned this the hard way by ordering what we thought traditionally you now a starter remain in and, and a pudding each it is far too much food simply because the tradition the way of of doing things in spain is to share dishes to share platos and i think we actually talked about this in the food and drink episode Mm -hmm. that we did in spain so go back and listen to that if you want to hear more Um, but yes generally you're ordering dishes for the table not for yourself
1: and talking of eating then your um your dinner every meal is late according to you know according to what most people eat in the uk the u.s I'm not sure about Australia, actually. Um, but certainly that it's unusual to go for dinner before 10, 8, 10 p.m. Um, often people will be ordering their main courses, or having the main courses at 11 p.m. at night. Um, that's 11 p.m. at night. Everyone knows that. Lunch tends to be about 2 till 4. And breakfast, um, often people go to work, do an hour's work, and then go out for breakfast, maybe 10 o'clock. And um, and they'll they'll tend to have things like tostada, which comes with a little, instead of having, it does come with jam, but also quite common is to have a tomato i think it's called Rayado, where it's basically just just liquidized tomatoes that you spread on your toast a bit of olive oil and a bit of salt sounds a bit weird but it's really 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 nice so you're going to be eating a bit later than what you thought and but don't go out for dinner at seven o'clock because one you'll be on your own and two people will look at you and go what the hell are you doing why are you here
0: Speaking of delicious food, uh, one of the things that, that we notice is how people describe good food. And you get the ones that you understand, muy bien, muy buenas, very good, very good. Um, but some people describe food as muy rico, which directly translates as very rich. And um, that direct translation in English is sometimes you describe something that is tasty, but too much to have in one dish it's too rich or it's very rich in spain that is one of the best compliments you can give to the chef is the food is more illegal
1: definitely um another thing is when you order more drinks then they'll bring the drinks to you and they'll take whatever's left in your glass <laughs> even if it's like half full they'll take it away so if you in the UK you tend to pre-order drinks. You go, right, I'm a third of the way through my pint, so I'll or third third left, so I'll order another one. Just bear in mind that if you leave your glass unattended, then it will be taken back and binned.
0: Yes, it will. And talking about drinks after dinner, don't be fooled into thinking you're going to be a party animal if you're up until 1am having a drink after your marvellous food. There's a saying in Spain that if, if you're home by 2am, you've only gone out for dinner. So if you are looking for a bit of nightlife, if you're, if you're a bit younger than we are or a bit mm. more energetic than we are and you're looking for a night out, have that siesta friend because you will be out until 4 or 5am
1: at least. When I'm talking of going out and nipping around, it's okay to stop in one place and have a little tapa or two tapas. It's, it's perfectly okay to do that. In the UK, you couldn't imagine going to a restaurant saying, can I have two starters? Thanks, can I have the bill and go to somewhere else and have two starters? But it's perfectly okay over here. And, and certain places are very famous for a certain type of tapas. Um, so that's perfectly okay.
0: And then talking about things that aren't perfectly okay, often mm-hmm. in Spanish restaurants in the UK, and I'm sorry if there are any Spanish people listening, cover your ears because this one might hurt. <laughs> but in a Spanish restaurant in the UK, typically you get a little, a little pot of olive oil and a little pot of vinegar sometimes together and you get your bread and you dunk it in and you mix it around and then you eat it. That is not the purpose of bread. It's not the purpose of oil and vinegar. Oil and vinegar is for your salad, your bread is for scooping your food up onto your fork or for mopping up the sources of your dish.
1: So, coming to the last couple on the food and drink, um, we need to talk about spirit measures. Now, what's interesting is that there's a Weights and Measures Act of 1968, I think it was. Um, I used to be a, land- a pub landlord, so I should know this, but I've probably got that year wrong. And there's a Weights and Measures Act, which means that in the UK, and I'm guessing most of the other parts of um of of, of the West, um, you will be um if you want a, a shot of vodka, you'll get exactly 25 milliliters and then you'll get a multiple thereof. Whereas in Spain, there doesn't seem to be that thing. So they'll come over and they'll bring a bottle and they'll bring you your glass, your ice, and then the bottle of vodka, gin, whatever you're drinking, and they'll pour it from the bottle and they tend to count somewhere between seven and nine pours, which we work out, roughly works out as a double to a triple.
0: Yes, for, for domestic spirits or non-premium spirits, it's a yes, seven good to point. nine pour.
1: Yes, yeah, so if you're asking for Hendrix, for example, that'll be carefully measured out into twenty five mil. If you're asking, well,
0: they'll do like a four or five pour.
1: Yeah, and then if you're asking for a domestic, as the answer is like um, Larios, which is a domestic gin from Spain, um, yeah, they'll just pour it. So, and you can ask them to stop. Often they'll look at you and laugh because you they're expecting you to say stop and they keep going. Um, so there's a bit less a bit less duty on on alcohol in Spain, so they do <laughs> tend to pour a bit more.
0: Yeah, and then we were told this fact we believe it please if you think it's not true tell us or please confirm it for us you don't our understanding is in spain you don't need a license to sell alcohol but you do need a license to sell coffee coffee is taken very very seriously there are many different types of of spanish coffee and we have talked about this on the previous episode so i won't go into it um but yeah if you're going to order a coffee just think about your preferred coffee to milk ratio once you've figured that out you'll know which coffee to order
1: talking of which uh, we've, we've noticed that um that coffees tend to be around about the same price in a village so you could you know you won't go to one place it'll be two pound 20 another place will be one pound 50 generally it sort of feels like it's set and they all agree that a cafe con leche is 160 um, a cortado is 110 that kind of thing anyway um and so uh, the other thing about different regions is that you can have Either the same name for a food or a drink, that down south means one thing and in the north means another. Uh, um, or you can have the same food that one village, Morthea, for example, which is like a blood sausage, like black pudding if you're from the UK. Um, then Morthea in, from Burgos, I think, is made with rice. And from where's the other place, Leah? Do you remember? They make,
0: I think it's more the Burgos is the specialist one because it's made with rice. And everywhere else Generally, is, it's made with onions. Made with onion.
1: Um, so you tend to find that, and you'll also tend to find that, um, that that the local a region will have a nickname for a food that might not translate exactly as what you think it is. I can't think of any examples off my head, but there's lots of things we've gone. What the hell is that? Translate it For example,
0: go. they have don't they have? Um, well, they have like canya de cerdo. Oh yeah, which which direct translates as a pipe of pork, <laughs> yeah. um, which is basically a pork fillet because it looks like a pint. Yeah. Pipe. That makes
1: sense. That makes sense.
0: So, yeah, I'm talking about differences in food. Spain is no different to any other country in the world, I'm sure, where where you are staying, the region in which you are, is going to dictate the type of food that you're eating. You're going to have very different food in the north or the south, very different food in Catalonia or Galicia or Basque country. Um, The coast is all going to be about fresh fish and seafood. The country is going to be all about great meat. And if you're a vegetarian, good luck to you, my friend.
1: (laughs) They do have something, um, they, they call it calamaris, calamaris del campo, I think, which is onion rings. And calamari, obviously, is the rings around a calamari. So you can have you can have onion rings. There's lots of potato dishes. Patatas pobres, I think, is one of the most famous ones. As far as I know, it's vegetarian, although they might use lard for it. I don't know. You'd but, probably
0: have to check. They use olive oil instead of lard, yeah.
1: But there's, there are lots of things that if you are a vegetarian. And they're also fantastic at things like the, the gluten-free
0: they are and the lactose free. Yeah, they're really, really good at that. Really good at that.
1: Okay, so the final thing in eating and drinking is that if you go to certain cities, Granada being one of them, is that your drinks will be slightly more expensive, but you'll get a free tapas with it. So you can sit down, get a pint. Oh, we wouldn't get a pint in the UK in Spain. You've heard, you listened to the last episode, but you'd get maybe a beer, and with that would come something. Some bit of food. Now, the trick we learned, uh, having been in Granada for a couple of months, was that the longer you stay in a bar, the better the tapas gets. So by the time you've had four drinks, they're bringing out, you know, pieces of steak and stuff for you, whereas the first one might just be one of those uh, tortilla, the potato tart potato and egg tart things um so so it is worthwhile sticking to one place for longer and granada definitely does it i'm pretty sure they do it someplace up in the north but i can't remember exactly where
0: granada is such a good place to do that though and as you say the tapas gets better with each round and then you're gonna get different places that are known for different tapas and you can just go on to just google it you always find a website that will kind of run down what it is that they they specialize in and keep your eye out as well for different um towns i think tarifa does one that's like a tapas route uh where then each restaurant in the or select restaurants within the the town will produce like one great tapas dish and the idea is you make your way through the route of restaurants until you've tried them all
1: another one that does that just incidentally is via in just north of madrid and um there, that's apparently where tapas was invented and they have a rooted tapa. Which is a very similar thing.
0: Yeah. So I think that's enough about food and drink. Um, if you do want to go back and listen to that previous episode where we talked a lot more about food in Spain, it's episode 77 13 ways the Spanish will know you're a tourist.
1: Definitely worth a listen. Okay. So we're on to language next. Um, so I think the first thing you, first thing about language is um, that we, people will say goodbye when they see you. So um, hasta luego um which is shortened to ta luego ta luego see you later or until later um the people walk past the people friends in the street and they just go ta luego as they walk past and what they're saying is basically literally until later which is what they tend to say goodbye but that's what people will say as they walk past i
0: guess it's like us saying all right yeah all right all see right. you later see you later
1: but it still sounds weird if you walked up to up to your friend and went and they and they went and they said, see you later. He went, see you later.
0: Yeah, but then it's like, who are we chatting to? Maybe it's one of our, um, maybe one of our American friends that like couldn't, they couldn't get their head around the fact that we go, you all all right? And we have no, in- <laughs> we're not asking how you are. Don't answer that question directly because that's not what we're asking. So it's probably a similar, similar thing saying, tell her again. Definitely. So I guess the other thing in terms of body language, perhaps, uh, the kisses, it can be a man field. Is it two? Is it three? Is it four? Some places in France apparently have five. Uh, from our experience, it is two kisses, uh, typically between women and women or men and women. And the embrace gets more familiar as you become more familiar with the person. So typically, it'll start with a handshake and two kisses. then may be a shoulder hold and then maybe just a big old cuddle and two kisses on the side.
1: <laughs> okay. So the next thing I've got is learn a little bit of Spanish and try it um you're you're gonna get it wrong um a a lot when you first start off um don't be worried about someone repeating back to what you if you ask for um una canna instead of canya then don't be afraid you know they they might say back to you canya they're not correcting you they're just confirming they've understood so just try it most people are brilliant the weirdly the further towards a tourist area you get, the more annoyed they're going to be about you trying to speak Spanish to them because they're busy, they haven't got the time and they're going to speak English a million times better than than probably you do. (laughs) So certainly much much more, much better than where you can speak Spanish.
0: Exactly, yeah. So don't be put off if you, you speak Spanish and someone speaks back to you in English. The fact is they've understood they're just busy. Um speaking of spanish it again it's like any country i'm sure there are different dialects there are different accents and accents some are easier to understand than others we spent a lot of our time in andalusia which is known for being one of the most difficult places to learn spanish so if you are heading down to andalusia to live and work abroad or even for a holiday just bear that in mind one of the biggest things they do is they drop their s's on the end of words and they'll push words together so instead of saying dos mas in terms of two more they'll say and this kind of goes through you'll hear gracias into the gracias um and it's it's fine when you kind of you're in that context you know what they're saying um but it can get really confusing if you think you're hearing it a different word and you're trying to figure out that what that is don't be afraid to ask people to speak more slowly we've done that and they're very willing to help
1: lento y claro por favor is slowly or slower and clearer and again, they won't mind with that. And then, if they don't, <laughs> if, they, if they disagree with that, or if you just don't want to, you know, say that you don't understand, have a little guess at what they might say. So you're picking up. You say, "Can I have a bottle of water, please?" And they look at you and go, "Blah blah blah blah." You might go, "They're probably asking me if I want glasses and ice, don't aren't they?" So you just so you can also guess a little bit rather than going, "I have no idea what you've just said." Just hazard a guess. So you might so in that case, you might go, "Coppas and uh, yeah, yeah, see, see. You know, quieres copas. Yeah, it's
0: looking out for the nouns, isn't it? Those words, or vocab words that you probably learn more of, and picking up on them and trying to put it put it together. But that said. One does have to be careful because there are some <laughs> words that sound very, very similar. For example, when we were in the police station at our residencia a few years ago, um, a policeman approached us and Al told them that he was waiting for his <laughs> albondigas, which means meatballs. What we actually wanted to say was that we were waiting for our abogado, our lawyer. So do be careful. And there are some that could actually cause offense. Al, I think you have an example on that one.
1: Yeah, I don't know quite what the nuance is between actually saying this word but if you want to have if you got a drink and you want a straw then you'll ask for um una but if you <laughs> chuckling already <coughs> apparently a pacha also means a little bit of manual stimulation for a man or possibly a woman as well i don't want to say the word because it is quite crude but yeah so so asking for for a pacha could mean you get a straw or you get a lovely lovely 20 minutes i don't know <laughs> oh, another one is like bandejo, I think, which is tray, and I think there's a very, very similar word. It might even be bandejo, which means asshole. Um, so I, <laughs> I think so. You, but generally, be in the context, people will, on, will, will, I think, will think that you're trying to be. Polite,
0: they'll giggle and correct you, I'm sure. Um, and talking about correction, as I'm sure you know, if you are starting to learn a bit of Spanish, we know some already, masculine and feminine is a thing in Spanish, as it is in other romantic languages, such as French. Um, so you will notice the ends of words changing depending on whether that word is masculine or feminine, if you are masculine or feminine. Um, so you will hear una versus uno versus L, um, and so on and then you also get into the tricky conjugation of verbs if you really want to dive into it where the ending will actually change so rather than saying i want she wants it's quiero quieras etc um but that's 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 a further down the journey if you're just mm. going for a holiday don't worry about that too much for now
1: and I think what else is interesting, just to add to that, is that um is that some words like solo means only, so solo bebida, so only drinks, and then solat means alone, which is obviously a similar meaning, but it's interesting to to see that you can change the the end of it like trato is deal and trata I think is some kind of like horrible sex ring or something. I don't really know. Someone once told me that. So um so just be aware of that. Okay, so I think we've covered Probably 50% of this. What we've got left is we need to talk a little bit about next week about transport. We need to talk about the weather and living, going shopping, and then the things we can't get our heads around in Spain and the things to avoid, which we'll be doing in episode 81, which will be coming next week. So you're just going to have to sit tight and wait for it.
0: The suspense. It's a cliffhanger. (laughs)
1: It's like it's like when um uh, when Helen Daniels went to a coma on Friday night and neighbours, you're like, I can't wait for the whole t- Monday to find out what happens with Helen Daniels. Well that's a reference from forty years ago, isn't it? Anything else to say before we uh, before we uh, knock and uh, knock this on the head?
0: No, I think again, if you have some of your own quirks that you've experienced or or things that that you think we might have got wrong all right get in touch let us know to recap we've covered culture eating and drinking and language uh, so yeah you can email us us at a life at gmail.com or on instagram a sideways life
1: okay we'll see you next week for part two
0: see you next week